Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we are joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, their families, and the community. We'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. The Law Enforcement Today Radio Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from Missouri, we have on the phone Diane Bernhardt, Executive Director of Cops, Concerns of Police Survivors. Diane, thanks so much for calling us today. Much appreciated. Oh, well, thanks for having me. And by the way, before I get into this, I, I want to thank you for your service. You're also retired law enforcement. And also thank you for your service for what you and the organization Cops, Concerns of Police Survivors do and will continue to do for the survivors of our fallen. It's very, very much appreciated. Thank you very much. It's actually an honor for me to be able to give back a little bit to the uh, profession that was so good to me. So thank you for that. Before we go into a lot of what COPS does, because you, you as an organization have do many things. I got to tell you this. I've Since I retired from police work, I've been in radio for quite a while. I've interviewed rock stars. I've interviewed all kinds of people. And I'm very nervous today. A lot of trepidation about our conversation. And the reason being is because, you know, I lost friends in the line of duty um, and, and then other officers that I had a connection to and a whole lot of brothers and sisters that were on the job around the same time I was. And I feel that no matter how many years have passed, it still is an emotional subject and it doesn't take a lot to get those emotions fired up and going. And, you know, that's not something to be scared of doing. That's something that I do every day at work. I, I also lost a very good friend in the line of duty in uh, 2005. Her name was Officer uh, Molly Bowden, and we were in Columbia, Missouri, when she was shot on a traffic stop, and uh, she died 30 days later uh, from her injuries. And I can just close my eyes and, and blink back, and it's and we're right back there, you know, that many years ago. Um, so it is something that comes to the forefront. Uh, it's something that's very personal, especially anybody that's put on the uniform and worn it. Uh, know how close you are and how you're affected by you're affected every time an oh, yeah. officer dies in the line of duty across the country you feel it it's it's a real feel so um I've learned to just embrace it at this point when i when I come to work each day, I may end up crying that day because I've talked to a a survivor and I've listened to the story and that you can't help but be affected but you can also you know 
cause a lot of help. And so if you can cause that survivor to have some help and and move forward with their lives, then that's actually really rewarding too. So there's a lot of balance between that emotion and and uh, the reward that you get from doing this job. And I'm glad you put it that way because I was all with my wife about this just the other night and uh, referring to a, a friend who is uh, a widow of a fallen officer. And I said, every time we talk, whether it be text or whatever, it brings up all these memories and emotions and feelings from past incidents. And yet, and I I accept that is part of who I am today. And it's part of what makes me who I am. You know, and deep down, I'm okay with it. Uh, I just, I tell people jokingly, I want them to think I'm a tough guy. So I don't want them to see or hear me cry, but I do. Yeah. And you know what? That's a little bit of a shift that I've seen in law enforcement. I started, and I'm going to date myself here, but I started in law enforcement in 1991. And, uh, you know, I was taught when I, when I went to work, you know, you, something bad happens, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, and go back to work. And, and there really wasn't any room for emotion in, in any of the job. And, and I think the job has evolved to the point now that we see these newer officers that are coming that are being taught different. You know, they go through school and they have counseling as one of their classes in school and, and they come on the job now and it's more normal to talk about things. And I think as a profession, we're doing a little bit better about realizing that police officers are also people and uh, they're deeply affected by the job. There's no way to go and do this job for that many years and not be affected coming out on the other end of it. No, you cannot. And I think you are 100% correct on your assessment. They seem to be, and certainly not across every department across the United States, but many departments and a lot of the major departments seem to be leading the charge where they are addressing things of this nature. Uh, The emotional aspects of the bonds you get, try to find healthier ways of dealing with the trauma that you're going to face on the street, especially trauma when you know, a coworker, a brother, sister loses their life in the line of duty, that they are getting ahead of, of the curve on this. And I hope that's a trend that's going to continue on. I hope so, too. And that's one of the things, that's one of COP's major initiatives is taking care of coworkers after a loss of an officer in the line of duty. And we do a lot of things to prepare departments for that. We offer, you know, training on the front end. So if you you know, in, in the horrible day that you come to work and you lose a, a partner or a friend, that the department's more prepared for that. So we do a lot of training on the front end of, um, for how to respond to a line of duty death. And then after a line of duty death, we have uh, programs for coworkers that are free of charge that they can attend. And they it's basically peer support, coworker to coworker, all law enforcement officers involved in it, from the counselors to the peer uh, leaders to the to all the attendees, including the cop staff that are there, are all former law enforcement. So there's something to be said when you get a law enforcement officer with another law enforcement officer to talk about a similar experience and for whatever reason it really works a lot of people try and a lot of people understand and really put themselves out there but the only group i seem to really be receptive to hearing the message from would be other law enforcement officers and or their family members for some reason that's just something about me is that something that you think is rather common with law enforcement people Oh, absolutely. It's it's a big deal. Like that's a selling point for the uh, retreats and the programs that we have is is you know there's there's a when you be, when you become become involved in law enforcement, you become a part of the law enforcement culture and it changes you, it changes your family, um and it changes the way you think and there's a, a huge belief and it's you know it's one that I actually believe in myself that that folks that are outside of that culture sometimes won't understand from where you're coming. They won't have seen what you have seen or experience what you've experienced. And so the, one, one cop to another cop, you can sure understand what is, you know, when you go to talk about, you know, responding to a, a death of a baby or responding to a, a death of a fellow 
a law enforcement officer, officer to officer, you seem to understand it better. And that's one of the things that your experience really comes into play. I, I got involved with cops way back in 1989, so back in the early days. Wow. And uh, Susie Sawyer, that whole crew. And dating myself, I, I went on the job in 1980, got hurt, and retired in 1992. And uh, so things have changed quite a bit. But before that, maybe I wasn't aware, but before that, there didn't seem to be really any group, any organization on a national level that was saying, hey, we're going to be for the family members. We're going to try to reach out and do the things and provide support, not just the family members, but also to other law enforcement people during those times where, quite honestly, we had rules and regulations and all kinds of stuff that we could do, you know, but no one knew what to say and no one knew how to handle themselves during these situations. So COPS has been on the forefront since, what, 1984? Yeah, 1984 is what it was formed. Of course, it was small when it was formed. It, it started with uh, 10 widows that were together at a FOP convention, and um, they were uh, all visibly upset and, and talking to each other, and, and Susie got that group together and put them all in the same room. And they, when they all got the same room and started talking to each other about similar experiences, they realized they felt better. And from there, the idea was born. And, and from there, it grew to the first memorial service in uh conference that they had in D.C. in 1985 had 110 widows. And uh, from now, we uh, have expanded, obviously, greatly from that. It's not just spouses. and Now it's parents and siblings and children. We have a lot of programs for children and uh, extended family and fiancés and significant others and um, coworkers. So there's, it's grown significantly to now we have 47,000 survivors that we service. So Susie's idea back in 1984 has just, you know, it's her legacy at this point. And, and my job is just to take care of that and make sure that it continues to grow and be there for, for survivors. And you're doing a very great job. We are talking with Diane Bernhardt, Executive Director of Concerns of Police Survivors. You listen to Law Enforcement Today. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Public safety professionals are regular people that heroically rush forward. Despite the fire or the storm, despite the worst of society and the undeserved contempt, they rush in to save, to protect, to hold our nation together. For more than 50 years, Galls has stood with our troops stationed abroad and with our nation's first responders who serve us here at home every day. Galls, proud to serve America's public safety professionals. Visit Galls.com today. Epidemic, America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost, and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725 and online 
at transformationstreatment.center. Whoa. The moment my son saw a redwood tree. It's huge! Is the moment I knew that for him. You can't even see the top of that thing. Even the sky has no limit. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go. Your moment is out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Law Enforcement Today show. Joining us from Missouri, we have Diane Bernhardt. It is an honor to have you here. Uh, National Executive Director for Concerns of Police Survivors. What is your website address? Our website is www.nationalcops.org. And uh, you can get all kinds of information about all the programs that we have uh, available uh, through COPS at that website. We've got lots of things going on. We're going to cover some of them as best we can. Uh, before we get into those details, I want to go back and backtrack because you brought up some good points earlier in the conversation that I call it cop to cop, that, that no one seems to understand us the way that other people in law enforcement and their family members do. And, and I think a big part of that is we don't ask each other stupid questions that, that, that stem from the media and from Hollywood's portrayal of a police go through. So we're we're reluctant to talk to others. You had a long career in law enforcement. How how long were you on the job before you retired? Uh, just over twenty three years. And you pretty much started at the the bottom, like we all do, as a, as a patrol officer. I did absolutely. I started, and I uh, enjoyed working as a patrol officer a whole lot. And I think patrol sergeant was probably my favorite job. I did that for about ten years, and then. Uh, progressed up the ranks from there and retired as the deputy chief for uh, Columbia, and that was a great place to be. Number number two is a great place to be because you you can still make some decisions and change, but you're not necessarily held responsible for everything. So gotcha, gotcha. it was a it was a great career. <laughs> I loved being in patrol. I loved being a patrol sergeant. I I agree with you there because you know so much of what I learned about police work as a young rookie. Of course, you learn in the academy. You learn all that stuff, and I thought I knew everything when it came out. Turns out I knew nothing. It was the experienced officers who taught me how to be a good police officer. It was my first line of supervision, my patrol sergeants. They were the ones who really shaped me and taught me, hey, this is how you become a member of the community You know, for the eight hours you're there. This is what you do. This is how you talk to people. Uh, and, and we expected a lot from our patrol officers in Baltimore, but we also – Whenever possible, we made sure they did their job to the best of their ability, and we backed them up. It was a great position, and I loved doing it. Oh, I absolutely did, too. That's like I think back over my career of, of the most impact that I think I had, and, and I, I progressed through a lot of different ranks, but I go back to that, that sergeant rank, that first-line supervisor, and I, and, I, and I thank God bless each and every one of them out there working midnight shift, making sure the right thing gets done every day. So. Um, God bless the patrol sergeants. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough job. It, it's a great job. And I, I see what looks like so many departments nowadays, they, they are you know running short on manpower and they're running short on experienced people. Uh, and it, it suffers. And, and it's, it's a difficult subject. I don't want to get lost in that conversation. Cops does. We, we probably could. Yeah, we could. We get very distracted away from your mission. And everybody that's been around law enforcement for a long time will say the same thing. 
things need to change and they need to change so that that we take better care of our people because we ask a lot from them and they give a lot to our communities and uh, they deserve a lot in return and that's one of the things where cops really does such great work we have a good friend of the show her husband was killed in line of duty in 2014 Uh, she has been to a lot of retreats from cops one of her daughters, who I believe is in college right now, just got back from a weekend retreat just about a week or so ago. And she is one of the biggest advocates. She says it, no matter what she, what other people did, she felt all alone until she got support from cops. You know, that's absolutely true. And we hear that over and over again. You just did my heart good by telling me that story. So thank you. But that's what we do here over and over again. And, you know, when, when a family loses their officer in the line of duty, it's such a public event. Um, it, you know, it, in the law enforcement prof- profession, if, if, if you say we do nothing else right, what we do really well is we bury our own really well. And so we can put on um, the funerals that we put on are just amazing and so honorable. And, and you know, I'm so proud of our profession for how good we do that. But afterwards, after the funeral is over and everybody goes home and, and then we have a, a spouse that's, that's looking at raising a child by themselves that they hadn't planned on, you know, maybe with only half an income or no income and, you know, looking at every time they go to the grocery store, somebody's looking at them differently, wondering or asking questions or asking questions that are, that are not smart questions to right. ask. And it's, it's like grieving in a bubble and everybody is watching. And so... They, they honestly, after a while, feel like they can't even grieve um, because they're on display. And so what we offer through COPS is when they come together at our retreats or our events is they're there with other people that have been through something similar. And uh, sometimes it's the first time they actually really start openly grieving with other people that really get it. Explain it's some kind of an amazing thing to watch. Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't go when I was in I'm retired from Baltimore and I was in back in Maryland for many years working at a rock radio station. I didn't go to the national law enforcement officer Memorial for years uh, because I was, I was afraid of the emotional impact it would have. And I did go eventually. My wife went with me. It was a tremendous experience. I have not been to police week yet, but we plan on being there this year. And you know, it's almost as if I purposely avoided some of these retreats some of these programs you offer for the family members and for people like me the the, the surviving co-workers because of uh, fear is that a common occurrence yeah it's, it's actually very common and you know speaking of the national law enforcement memorial wall i remember the first time that i went there and i was dreading it because i knew you know obviously my friend's name was on it and other officers that i knew and um and i went there and i found that once I got there and I sat down of what an incredibly peaceful place it is. Um, and it was such a moving experience. And National Police Week was like that for me, too. You, know, you can't leave National Police Week and not be so proud of the profession that you were a part of. It's just amazing to see the show of support from across the country for law enforcement all in one place. And I would urge any police officer that has not ever been to National Police Week to go at least once in your career because it's just an experience that that you will never forget that you had. But uh, fear is a real thing, and all of our survivors fear that. You know, the first time that they're going to go to a cop's event or tell their story for the first time or, you know, put themselves out there a little bit um, that they could potentially be hurt. 
Um, but what they find happens is exactly the opposite, is that it's so liberating. And it was for me the first time that I went and told my story. And uh, and it's what we see from across the country for survivor after survivor. And they'll say, you know, when they get off the bus on Friday to come to the retreat, you can just see in their eyes the the fear of what's about to happen if they've not ever been there before. Um, and then Monday when they get on the bus to go back to the St. Louis airport, there, there, there's hugs and there's, there's smiles and some of them are laughing and it's, some of them say it's the first time they laugh since their officer died. So it's just a tremendous liberating experience is the only way I can describe it. It's, it's like worth it to push through that fear and just do it for the first time. And as an organization, COPS is, to put it mildly, a driving force behind National Police Week. You have lots of activities going on during that event. Oh, absolutely. We actually chair the committee. Uh, for National Police Week, and we uh, put on many of the activities in partnership with the uh, National FOP and the Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund. Um, but yeah, we plan a lot of the different activities, and you know, our role is to ensure that all the family member and coworker survivors from across the country, when they arrive in D.C., that there's a plan for them, that they have a hotel to stay at all together, their transportation to all the different events is taken care of. Um, they get to experience the candlelight vigil on May 13th. They get to experience um, the National Law Enforcement Memorial uh, Service on May 15th. And then we have different sessions. Co- we have a conference, basically, with se- sessions for the different survivor groups. So they, for the first time, can be paired with somebody else from around the country that's, that's something, been with something that's happened to them, something similar. So it's, it's just a, it's kind of an amazing experience to see it. Well, we plan on being up there this year, and we will talk to you mm-hmm. more about that. One of the segments of the population that don't get a platform to tell their stories, we've had two widows uh, on the show and talking about what it was like for them, what they went through with the loss of their loved one, and more importantly, how they have rebuilt their lives since then. And there's tremendous amounts of inspiration that all of us can take from these stories of these really, really heroic people. Uh, So I do want to invite through you, if you have any survivors that want to come on, they're looking for a platform to tell their story, they are more than welcome to to come on the Law Enforcement Today show. We would love to have them. And uh, we will talk with you about seeing you in D.C. and possibly doing some interviews there as well. Oh, that would be wonderful. And yeah, we would we would love to make that happen. And I would also encourage you to hear the stories of uh, some of the parents. Um, there's, you know, that's that was my personal connection to cops. When Molly, my friend, was uh, shot and killed, you know, we would have done anything for her family. But it was cops that came in and helped her parents. And um, she was young. She was 26 years old. And uh, nobody, nothing in this world prepares you as a parent to lose your child. And cops came in and helped her parents in ways that we had no idea what to do, and cops did. So I would encourage you to, to also, you know, get some parents on the uh, show or yeah. maybe consider some of the uh, children as they get older, the teenagers. Boy, I tell you what, I'm so proud of them when they tell their stories. They, they have amazingly impactful stories of, well, take of a growing up in a law enforcement family. Yeah, we'll take a short break. We're going to come back and return the conversation with uh, Diane Bernhardt sure. about a concerns of police survivors. Their website is National cops.org. You listen to Law Enforcement Today's show. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Remember in the beginning, when you first started to build a life for you and your family, you never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you. Now there's a way you can take back control with one simple call. If you owe $10,000 or more in credit card debt, 
you qualify to receive a free, no-obligation consultation on how to get rid of that debt for good. Call the Debt Helpline now. We work on your behalf to reduce your debt. We specialize in credit cards, retail store cards, and medical bills. One simple call is all it takes to get the ball rolling to a debt-free life. Stop living with debt and start living your dreams. Call the Debt Helpline now. 800-948-6817 That's 800-948-6817 We all know that law enforcement, first responders, and military have dangerous jobs. They see and experience traumas that most can't even imagine. And all too often, that takes a toll leading to substance abuse, PTSD, and co-occurring mental health disorders. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to helping protect those who protect. Call 888-991-9725, online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program, offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Public safety professionals are regular people that heroically rush forward. Despite the fire or the storm, despite the worst of society and the undeserved contempt, they rush in to save, to protect, to hold our nation together. For more than 50 years, Galls has stood with our troops stationed abroad and with our nation's first responders who serve us here at home every day. Galls, proud to serve America's public safety professionals. Visit Galls.com today. Adopt US Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You've messed up your daughter's haircut. Do you A, get spiritual? Mom, where's the mirror? Beauty is within. Oh. B. Find the positives. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or C. Show empathy. Mom, you really don't have twinsies. I kind of love it. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. The Law Enforcement Today show brought to you in part by Galls, G-A-L-L-S.com. Again, their website is G-A-L-L-S.com. They've been supplying first responders, police officers, law enforcement, public safety, firefighters for more than 50 years. And they got a huge selection of products that anybody can use. Back to the conversation on the Law Enforcement Today show. Joining us, retired law enforcement officer and national director of Cops, Concerns of Police Survivors, Diane Bernard. And Diane, you were just talking about another segment of the population that I, I didn't think about. The parents of officers, they're killed in line of duty. That's a group I, I don't think the media ever talks to. Yeah, there's a couple of those groups. There's the parents that are obviously have, have suffered a, you know, a measurable loss, uh, losing a child. You know, and I think... You know, I'm I'm in my 40s, and I still think my mom would consider me a child. So, yeah. 
um, her child anyway. Um, but, you know, I think the, you know, losing a child or, you know, the, the stories of the children of growing up in those families, I think those are stories that need to be told too. And, you know, we have a lot of representatives that are in that teenage group now that are remarkable speakers about their experiences. And, you know, I just think that they would be, they have a great story to tell. And they do. And again, that's a source of inspiration. You know, we all struggle with different aspects of our lives. People that listen to the show, you know, not necessarily involved in law enforcement. A lot of people have other jobs, other careers, and maybe have never gone through anything very, very dangerous in their lives. But yet we all encounter things where there's extreme disappointment, there's extreme setbacks, there's problems, there's challenges in life. And these stories from uh, these survivors again there's there's inspiration that we can take and use that all of us can use in almost every aspect of our lives no matter how small they may seem that's absolutely true and that's one of the things that this organization is just chock full of is is those stories one story after another of of inspirational people that have you know been hurt in the most deep way and and come out on the other end you know they're truly our survivors and you know, one, I'm going to give you a secret, Jay, about the about the cops organization. Is if you're on the outside and you were looking at the cops organization, you would think, "Oh my gosh, what a sad organization this is." It's an organization about line of duty death, and there's so much death and there's so much grief, and that is all true. We have those things within our organization. It's the reason for our organization, but our organization is not a sad organization. It is so hopeful. Um, our events are so fun. <laughs> People laugh. We do obviously work through a lot of issues surrounding grief, but at the same time, we believe strongly in the uh, power of laughter. And so we work very hard to make sure that every event at COPS also has a fun component to it. That is important because, you know, life goes on. The last thing I would want is for my daughters to to sit around and be depressed uh, for the rest of their lives and and not have a complete fulfilling life. Uh, So I'd imagine that's the case with, with just about every family member that, they are looking for support to find a way to get beyond that. That's probably a bad choice of words. Not say beyond it, but learn how to have a full, complete life in spite of. Yeah, it's just part of a journey. We don't ever say that you get through your grief because, of course, you don't. I mean, nobody ever gets over losing a parent or losing a husband or a wife, you know, in the line of duty. You don't ever get over something like that, but you do. Uh, you, you can be strong and you can work through it. It can be your journey. You can end up on the other end still happy. Your life will look drastically different than it did before, but that can be okay too. And so it's it's just more of a uh, kind of a organization that can help guide you through uh, that journey. And that's one of the things you probably never say to someone, get over it, or how much longer are you going to grieve over this it's time to get beyond this those those are things you don't say to people well that's the things we recommend you not say to people but i can tell you that those things are said to survivors every day across the country and sometimes it's even by the departments oh they do Um, unfortunately yeah and so it's 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 uneducated comments that are made people think that they're helping sometimes by saying uh, things like that you know trying to get people to move past it Um, but the reality is, is that's just not how it works and so those come across as being, you know, very crass and they're hurtful. And um, that's part of the education piece that, that we try to do on the front end in case there is a line of duty death to try to, you know, prevent some of those things from happening. And that was one of the things that prevented me quite often from saying something to someone uh, because I was afraid of saying the wrong thing. So what I would do is I would withdraw and then they tell me that 
everybody else does that and they feel isolated and alone that that they were once part of a big family then all of a sudden once their funeral's over everybody's gone oh yeah you know what that's a really common thing and i and i actually did that myself as well i i remember that after molly was killed and um her parents would walk down the hallway in the police department and i would think oh my gosh i don't know what to say and i would step back and kind of hope that they would go past and so i wouldn't have to you know have an awkward statement that i didn't mean to say but what I've learned since then is that that is actually probably the worst thing that you can do for the family is they really just need you to be there in the moment. And you don't really need to say anything to make them feel better because they're not going to feel better. Um, you know, the thing that we tell people to say in that situation is just say, I'm, I'm so very sorry for your loss. And then ask, ask them to tell you something about their officer or share a memory about uh, their officer with them because they just want to know uh, a survivor's biggest fear and this won't be a secret to any survivors that are listening to this uh, radio show today, their biggest fear is that their officer is going to be forgotten. And so anytime that you can remember that officer and say their name out loud and share a story or share an experience, that's going to make that survivor feel better. You hit on something that's very near and dear to my heart. I went to the Baltimore Police Academy with a, a good friend, uh, Chuck Schneider, and uh, Chuck retired as a sergeant in the Baltimore Police Department. His son, Jason, was in Baltimore County Police Department. This part of the SWAT team was uh, shot and killed in line of duty a few years ago. And one thing that Chuck always says, and I know he won't mind me saying this, is he'll take every opportunity he can to do his part to make sure people remember Jason and that he he wasn't just a police officer. He was a United States Marine. He was a father. He was a son. He was a brother. He was a husband. He was a loved contributing member of the community that he is scared to death that people will forget that's that's absolutely too when we talk about line of duty death and like in the national conversations we talk about numbers a lot we talk about how many officers died this year so far is the number is the percentage up is the percentage down how many are felonious how many are accidental those those are the conversations that we have but what i think we have to be really careful to protect ourselves against is is losing the stories behind those numbers and so Jason Schneider has a story. Yes. Uh, Molly Bowden has a story. And I think it's important to keep those stories and conversations going for sure. So what I do now, and I've, I've gotten better at it, is uh, I'll just say, like I'll, I'll call Chuck and I'll say, hey, I don't know what to say, so I'm just here. I'm just your friend. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. You want to talk about Jason? You want to talk about football? Whatever. I, I've tried to get over that awkward feeling of, and this is where it's not written in the, the general order manuals or police procedures. You know what you're supposed to do, but you know, know what to say. I think your approach is, is really great. I think you just need to remember to be a person in that moment. You know, just be your person. There's no, you know, we teach our officers to be very policy oriented. They Sometimes you think of, an, of a new officer that's right out of the academy after their field training. They almost seem a little bit robotic. Yes. They're just trying to be professional. And I think the best gift for an officer is when they realize that they can still use their personality when they're a police officer. And please still use your personality after line of duty death because that's what works. Just be there in that moment and be you. And I think that's exactly what you're doing. We're going to take a short break. We're talking with Diane Bernhardt, National Executive Director of Concerns of Police Survivors. Listen, Law Enforcement Today's show will be back in just a few moments. We all know that law enforcement, first responders, and military have dangerous jobs. They see and experience traumas that most can't even imagine. And all too often, that takes a toll leading to substance abuse, PTSD, and co-occurring mental health disorders. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to helping protect those who protect. 
Call 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. If you're 85 or younger, would you like peace of mind and comfort for your family? We're Final Expense Direct with an urgent message for you. The average funeral today costs over $8,000, but the most you'll get from government benefits is $255. How will your family pay the difference? We can help. Our senior plans start as low as just a dollar a day and pay up to $30,000 for a funeral and other final expenses. Peace of mind is easy. There's no medical exam. You'll have lifetime coverage, and your plan can't be canceled as long as you pay your premiums. Call now for free information about our senior plans. Answer a few simple questions and receive approval right on the phone. Plus, call right now and we'll give you a discount prescription card for free. Call 800-569-2507. That's 800-569-2507. Again, 800-569-2507. Public safety professionals are regular people that heroically rush forward. Despite the fire or the storm, despite the worst of society and the undeserved contempt, they rush in to save, to protect, to hold our nation together. For more than 50 years, Galls has stood with our troops stationed abroad and with our nation's first responders who serve us here at home every day. Galls, proud to serve America's public safety professionals. Visit Galls.com today. Listen, my life changed because someone was there to get me to use drugs. No one can understand. People think that having someone who will listen makes it better. I need help. I'm listening. I need help. I think that having someone who will listen makes it better. People understand. No one can get me to use drugs. My life changed because someone was there to listen. Go to heretolisten.com for tips and tools to turn addiction around. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Law Enforcement Today Show. I'm John J. Wiley, joined by Diane Bernhardt, Executive Director of Concerns of Police Survivors. Website is nationalcops.org. You, your organization does so much great stuff to help survivors. When I say survivors, uh, I mean the family members, uh, spouses, children, parents, siblings of, of fallen officers. You also do so much to help out people like me uh, other law enforcement officers who've lost friends and and people that uh, in the job it happens it's unavoidable and i wish it didn't happen but none of this can be done for free so there's probably the most difficult conversation to have with regards to what you do is how do you raise money what what can people do to help You know, there's a number of ways, and we're actually very fortunate in that we have, you know, 
about half of our, our funding comes from the federal government through a grant um, through the BJA, uh, which is super helpful every year to make sure that we have that at least solid foundation to start from. And then from after that, most of our donations come in from just individuals. We get individuals uh, who contribute through our website. Checks come in the mail. Law enforcement organizations will do fundraisers for us. We host a number of special events around the country where we do fundraising. Um, and then also we have a lot of support from uh, a lot of our corporate partners uh, like uh, Streamlight and Motorola that uh, come, out, come out and uh, and help us. And and then we also have this amazing bike ride called Law Enforcement United um, that ride their bikes into D.C. during National Police Week every year. They each ride at least 250 miles. Some of the crazy ones ride 1,000 miles into D.C. Uh, but this year they raised $592,000 for us. And um, all that, almost all that goes to kids of fallen officers. So we're uh, we're incredibly fortunate that the law enforcement community uh, supports us. But to be honest, every year, uh, you know, that's one of the things that keeps me up at night to make sure that we're going to have enough money to never turn a survivor away. And that's just not a comfortable conversation to have. People, no matter how beneficial the charity is, no matter what great work they do, everyone I've ever talked to says. I don't like asking people to donate. I don't like. I, I don't want to put my hand out there, even though it's much needed. There's many yeah, ways absolutely. people like you and I could help. Yeah, well, there's. It's absolutely for me personally too. Coming from the law enforcement profession, you know, we're taught not to do that. So it's it's the opposite uh, when I come to this organization. Is I have to you know do the ask and you know the ways that we that we manage that is we do, we're very careful about our administrative costs versus what goes to programming. And we're, we're very fortunate to be able to say that we have a less than 10% administrative cost. So almost every dollar that comes into COPS goes directly out to the programming for survivors or the scholarships for the kids or the kids counseling that we pay for or the different events that we have. So the organization itself will sell itself, and as long as it, people do their research on what organizations they choose to do, to donate for, uh, we feel like we've got a kind of a little edge up there because we're so careful with our money. And people can go right to your website, and you've got a store. You can buy things online. Does that help raise money for the organization? Oh, absolutely. There's and, and better than even raising money for the organization, it puts our logo and our message out there, which is is that we support the family members of fallen officers. So, yeah, there's some amazing merchandise out there. Uh, the gal in our office that that designs all that merchandise, she she's it's expensive to work at Cops because I keep wanting to buy more of the things that she designs. So, there's some amazing there's some amazing things there to go look at. And I've been to your website and I see you guys have a uh, campaign drive going on right now. Yeah, we do. We actually just uh, completed uh, adding on to our um, uh, national office here in Camdenton, and we've actually made it into a true national office. It was a a small office building where we had several people even working out of closets because we ran out of space. Um, And unfortunately, the demand after, especially the last three years, the demand for our services has just skyrocketed. And it's not a good, that's not a good thing to say on the country overall that there's been that much demand. But Fortunately, our supporters have, have also stepped up to the plate, and we were able to uh, expand our building. Um, and we have an amazing uh, courtyard now in our building, and there's uh, mementos for officers left, and there's uh, things to see on every wall, kind of talking about the history of cops, and then, you know, mementos and, and honoring some of our fallen officers, and it's amazing. But all that was done through a capital campaign. Um, the, camp- the campaign is almost complete. Uh, we're happy that we have our building and it's mortgage-free, which we're really proud of. 
But we do still have some pavers to go in our courtyard that are for sale, and those can be purchased in memory of an officer or in memory of an organization or, or I guess, in honor of an organization or to show the support of. Um, but those pavers are available on our website if anybody's interested in those. So get it details on our website, nationalcops.org. And one of the things you mentioned earlier in the conversation, and there's really no gentle way to bring up the subject, uh, the amount of deaths, line of duty deaths that occur nationally. And I don't know if it's product of the 24-hour news cycle, the cable news, the internet, social media, but it seems to be non-stop that we are losing officers across the United States and North America. Is is that the reality? Is it worse than it used to be? You know, it if you can if you compare back to, you know, the 1960s and 70s, on average we're actually losing uh, fewer officers than yes. we did back then. Um, so that part of it is not a reality. But what we did see recently in the last couple of years, you know, among the uh, the increase in the social media and the media presence and and the frankly the dissent against law enforcement in the country is we've seen a lot of increase in the felonious deaths and the uh, ambush attacks and uh, those high profile type law enforcement deaths and uh, you know those those things have definitely been a driving force uh, behind our organization and as you know we have a huge burden in front of us of taking care of those families. Um, but we're, we're ready. You know, we're, we stand ready to take care of them. And that's exactly what we're doing. I'm glad you brought up that was actually worse. I, Cause I've gone to ODMP's website and looked at some of the figures and just in my own experience in Baltimore between 1980 and 1992, when I retired, I was in four shootings and two other very, very close calls. And we, we lost a lot of officers during that time period and there's thank god a whole lot less uh and part of it's good news a a lot less are being killed it seems like there's many more being severely injured but thank goodness due to like shock trauma and other organizations we're getting better at saving lives but still a lot needs to be done i i don't know of any group of people who are less political than law enforcement we've like we we were trained from day one to stay out of politics and yet no matter where we turn, someone's trying to drag police into a political discussion and for lack of better words or politically motivated violence. And it's just horrifying. Well, it is horrifying to watch. And it's, and you know, coming from the profession, it's discouraging. And I, I think of those officers that we're trying to recruit right now to be our future law enforcement officers that have grown up these last five years. They're teenagers. Now they're growing up in this environment. And then we're going to, be asking them to come and be law enforcement officers. And, you know, I, I worry, I think back just, you know, I retired in 2014 and we were having difficulty recruiting officers then. And I can't even imagine some of the difficulty now, given the, the conversation in the country. Yeah, it's, it's bad. Diane Bernhardt, thanks so very much again for your service in law enforcement and in particular for your service. And, and please let everyone know at Concerns of Police Survivors, we are here. Anytime you need a platform to tell your stories and need help, whatever it might be, please reach out to us. And again, let any survivors, family members, spouses, children, uh, parents know that they, they, they want a platform to tell their stories we are always welcome and we'd love to have them on the show we absolutely will pass that on thank you so much for your time and for uh, thinking of us to be on the program and we are honored
It's time for the do good, feel good tip of the day brought to you by Transformations Treatment Center. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Call 888-991-9725. In order to do good, you've got to feel good. And quite often, to feel good, we've got to really pay attention to things that affect our mood. I worked shift work for years, and I found that I had problems with sleep. Nothing can affect your mood and put you in a worse mood than not getting enough sleep. And I went through a stage where I couldn't sleep at night. Eventually, I learned. I got tips on how to get in better sleeping patterns once I retired from police work. And this is something all of us can use. Wake up at the same time every day, within a half hour. Don't take naps. And guess what? Eventually, you'll get tired and you'll fall asleep early. And that's a tip to getting a good night's sleep. Because when you're well-rested, you feel better. And when you feel good, you can do good. By the way, got a do-good, feel-good tip of the day suggestion you want to send in? Email them to me. That's J J A Y at lawenforcementtoday.com. And that was the Do Good, Feel Good Tip of the Day brought to you by Transformations Treatment Center online at transformationstreatment.center. Call 888-991-9725, providing comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. In addition, they have law enforcement, first responder, military veteran treatment segment run by military veterans and first responders. That's Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. If you want to tell your story of survival and how you recovered and how you rebuilt your life, feel free to contact us. We'd love to have you as a guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. We made it so easy to get a hold of us, too. There's many different ways. Go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com contact us page of the web page download our free app on our website lawenforcementtoday.com you can contact us through the free app you can contact us on our facebook page twitter instagram heck send me an email my email address is j that's j-a-y at lawenforcementtoday.com you see we'd love to hear your story and we know we hear so often i have a story to tell but no one will give me a platform law enforcement today is your platform thank you so much for spending part of your day with us here at law enforcement today on behalf of everyone associated with the show and the website this is john j wiley until next time see ya